Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Spiritual Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer Lajotis. Spiritual Happy Hour is a show that teaches listeners how to tune into their intuition and use it in everyday life. Janelle Hoyland and I run the show and we like to say that we bring real life solutions through divine conversation. Our topic for tonight's show is parenting. And my guest tonight is Lisa DeShulo. Uh, she's a parent educator and owner of Parenting Matters here in New Jersey. And through classes, workshops, and coaching, Lisa has been giving parents the tools to become better parents. And she's going to share some of her knowledge with us tonight so we can take some of the frustration out of parenting and put some of the joy back in. And I know that summer's here for most of New Jersey schools, at least here on the East Coast, and I think Connecticut as well, have headed right into summer vacation. Some last week, and um, many of the schools are ending uh, tomorrow. And so, Lisa, I know that summer can be a wonderful time of the year, but with that comes unstructured time. And sometimes for the kids, that can add to tension and it can add to frustrations for parents. So I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit tonight about what happens with children in the summer. And I know, again, it, I always look forward to unstructured time, but I, it can be a little bit of a mixed bag. There can be times where the kids are fantastic and times when we sort of flow and there can be real times of frustration. I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of an idea of what's going on and how to take some of that frustration away. Sure. Kids look forward to the summer also. It's freedom and they don't have to go to school and do their homework and those kinds of things. But all of those things are actually a routine that they're in day in and day out. You know, they get up, they get dressed, they go to school, they come home, they have their activities, they do their homework, they have their dinner, snuggle with mom and dad and go to bed. And in the summertime, those routines kind of go out the window, and it feels a lot like freedom, but it's kind of unsettling and causes a little bit of insecurity, not knowing really what's coming next. And then if you add on top of that, mom or dad or the caregiver kind of has a plan in their head of how the day is going to go, whether you're going to go to the pool or you're going to go to the grocery store or what you're going to do, and then just say to the kids, okay, come on along and they don't really know what the plan is, it's really unsettling, and they're not really getting what they need. Absolutely. As you're talking about this, what comes to mind for me is anytime kids are home from school, it's usually if they're sick or if they've got a wellness visit, a whole host of things. But typically when kids are home, kids look at summer as freedom. And in their mind, they probably think, I have all day to run out and play, play with my friends, watch TV, play on my device, you know, you name it. And really, for parents, we've got a whole host of things that we need to get done, whether it's go to work, grocery shopping, laundry, all those things. And it's true. It never really dawned on me how I've got my agenda and they have their agenda. I mean, I have to be totally honest with you. I don't even think I think about their agenda 
in my head. And somehow I just think, yes, exactly what you said. We need to go to the grocery store. Everybody get in the car and let's go without realizing that that may not be something that they even really want to remotely do or help with. And um, that I've not even given them really time to prepare to go because as far as I'm concerned, my two are a little bit older now when they were two and three and four, I would give them a 15-minute warning, a five-minute warning, and then we would go. So I think you're right. It it has never dawned on me once they get a little bit older that they kind of need to be clued in as to what the schedule might entail, especially because I'm also realizing I don't have a set schedule every day. Some days I might go to the supermarket at 12. Some days I might go at 9. It just depends on if I'm out somewhere else. I wonder if you feel like most parents do the same thing. We just sort of go with our own flow and not really clue them in. Right. Traditionally, the style of parenting in this country was autocratic parenting, where the parents are the bosses and what they say goes, and they kind of, you know, decide what's going to happen in the family. And one of the things we see with children is when you continue to tell them what to do, they do one of two things. Either they tune you out or they rebel because from the age of about three on, you know, they want some level of power or control over their own lives. So if we just say we're going to the grocery store, you know, what are, the, what are they going to say? No, we're not. I'm not going to the grocery store. I don't want to go to the grocery store. So they're going to push back or they're going to ignore you. So this idea of helping to set the expectations, not only from the standpoint of, okay, I'm the boss and this is what we're doing tomorrow, but from the standpoint of, okay, so here's some things that need to get done. We need to get food to feed the family. You know, we need to, you know, buy new sneakers for you or, you know, whatever the work of the family is. And we want to have some fun time in. So let's talk about how we can do that, how we can structure that. And they may say, well, I want to go over to Susie's house. You know, okay, so let's put that in the plan too. And so it really comes down to actually kind of crafting it together, involving them in some of it, and you'll find that they're a lot more cooperative and willing if they're aware of what's going on and they have some input to it. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. I'm starting to think I probably should have started this process a couple weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Never too late. You know, kind of prepping them for summer. But what do you do, because, again, I like what you said, starting around the age of three. So, you know, you can start to really include them. Um, What do you do, would you say families should sit down? I mean, it's obviously it's up to families themselves, right, if they want to sit down on a Saturday or Sunday and plan for the week. Is that how you find most of your clients do it? Um, You know, make it like a weekly, you know, looking at a week each week out? Yeah, we, we, we do recommend family meetings um, and the family meetings in the, you know, when you first start doing family meetings, they're very, very simple. And some of it just um, starts with just encouragement, just, you know, saying encouraging positive things about each other, giving each other a compliment kind of thing. And then you start adding the schedule and then you start adding, maybe you, you do allowances in the family meeting and, in a, in a little more sophisticated family dynamic, you can actually do problem solving in the family meeting. Um, so you can say, okay, all the backpacks are being left in the middle of the living room. It's, you know, it's dangerous. People can't walk through there. That's a problem in our house. How are we going to solve that? It's kind of an evolution 
So it's not like, you know, just automatically, okay, let's just do family meetings and it's going to be great. You have to kind of learn together and learn how to do it. And in the programs that I teach, it's kind of a a step-by-step process. It's not like just do family meetings and that's the solution to anything. So the answer is yes, having some kind of get-together or meeting is a great way to do that. But the other thing I want to say is, When your three-year-old is standing at the dishwasher saying, me do it, me do it, wanting to empty the dishes, and all the glasses are there, the next day you could put the plastic on the bottom shelf of the dishwasher where they can reach and actually give them the job of assembling all the plastic cups and putting them in the drawer that's, you know, very low. From a very early age, rather than shutting them down, saying you're too little, you can't do it, you start involving them in the work of the family. You're absolutely right. As parents, we get stuck in this feeling that we are in a rush or we haven't left ourselves enough time. So I know a lot of times I'll say in my head, oh, I'll just do it for them. And I know you and I have talked about that. And that's not always the best way. Sometimes it's worth it to either have something a little messy or in the long run, I know you had said to me one time, what is it as a parent that I really want to get out of the exchange? Do I want to teach something here? And of course, absolutely. The goal is to have children who are starting to be self-sufficient. And I stood back from that and kind of walked through a week and realized how often I do stop my kids from doing things. I mean, I'm better than I used to be, but just trying to say to myself, all right, either let it be messy or don't be in such a rush and let them do a little bit more so that they can learn how to do it. Right. And, and that's really the, the reason for it, is that they, so they can learn and become more competent. Because by the time they leave your house, they need to be able to do all these things. And you know, we, I find so many parents, like the junior year of high school, they start saying, oh, now I have to teach how to do laundry, and now I have to teach how to make the sandwiches, and now I have to teach you all this. Whereas if they've been doing it all along, not only have they – I had some practice and made some mistakes and learned and been able to kind of master some of these things. But you also have had some of that offloaded of you. So you can focus on much more important issues at that age, like how do I talk to them about drinking and sex? You don't have time to do all that if you're still busy making the sandwiches and and doing everything else for them. So it's really kind of a dual purpose. And you want to make sure that they are competent and independent and responsible. And the only way for them to become really responsible is to give them that responsibility and let them try it, let them succeed, let them fail, let them work on it and perfect it. And parents don't want to give that up. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because I was going to ask you, do you feel like it is because a lot of kids today are overscheduled and not just with sports and activities, but sometimes homework can also get in the way? Or do you feel like it's a mix? There's that piece. And then there's the parental piece not wanting to give it up. When you've got the junior that doesn't know how to do the laundry and doesn't know how to take care of general things, do you think it's a, an overscheduling issue or do you think, what do you think is causing it? I actually think it's that parents' expectations have changed over, well, let, let's put it this way. There's so much competitiveness in our society and that's competitiveness of the parents, you know, they're working hard to climb the corporate ladder and, you know, make a good living. And then, you know, that kind of goes down to the kids and they want to make sure they get into the good colleges so that they'll be able to, you know, have a a good life and, and a good job in the end. 
and, you know, we want them to be the, you know, the star of the soccer team and we want them to be, you know, the great musician or the lead in the play or, you know, there's this striving for all this accomplishment. I think that's one of the roots of it is that the value of accomplishment has kind of overshadowed the value of confidence. And so we expect our children to perform in those, to accomplish all those things, and then we often we say, oh, my gosh, they have so many AP classes. How could they possibly, you know, do their own laundry? They don't have time for that. But the problem yeah, is then well, they go off to college, yeah. and they, they're great students in class, but they, they're failing at life. No, you, you bring up such a good point. It's like you're right about the accomplishments. We expect so many accomplishments. They want them to be so accomplished outside of the house. <laughs> and it used to be that in high school and junior high there was home ec. Right. So you would have right. to take some of that. So at least if you weren't getting it at home where it was just part of more ingrained in the culture um, and maybe that was too much in that end. But, you know, what I mean, it did teach skills. Life has to work both ways in the sense that they need to be able to exit for college knowing some of these skills. And I think as a parent, I always forget that chores really can bring a sense of accomplishment right. and taking care of. I mean, I know pets obviously can when you take on taking on a pet, but really seeing a job well done, whether it's weeding the front lawn and having a look at it after, they can really, whether they want to admit it or not, start to see what that means. And I think you also brought this up earlier in our conversation tonight, that part of the family unit is learning how to be part of a team, taking care of things that are greater than themselves and starting little by little they can get there but what do you think when you've got kids i won't say like because we all know the three and the fours want to help right that's when their instinct is yes mommy let me do it let me do it for those of us that have missed that boat (laughs) and we start (laughs) with the chore list we start adding things on and we get the pushback can you help us around that in terms of yeah starting those chores and what do you think is a good way to sort of get started? And I've talked to several friends this week who I happen to see at the pool. So many moms and dads that I've talked to look at the summertime as a time also to reintroduce chores. Um, I talked to four moms just throughout the week and they sort of said the same thing. They were like, this is going to be the year we're going to learn how to do the laundry, this and that. So, What do you say to them, how to start it, but also how to keep it going, how to not lose uh, momentum? Two things. First of all, I can say, you know, I was the parent that one summer said, okay, everybody's going to start doing chores now. And my Mm -hmm. my one son, who I always called the truth teller, (laughs) he (laughs) said to me when I presented it to everybody, he just turned to me and he said, you just want us to be your slaves. (laughs) And what he was (laughs) What he was pointing out was this was all my idea of how it was all going to get done so that I would have life easier. And that whole perspective and that whole approach made it fail. So the other approach, and, uh, you know, this is through, through all my, my um, courses and classes, like all of these concepts are, are kind of woven through. And, it's, you know, it's, again, it's not just like a magic pill that you just get automatically, but you kind of evolve through this. But... Um, what I would recommend is that you, you know, you sit down as a family and you talk about, you know, we're all living together and there are a lot of things in this house that need to get done. And I know we all have a lot to offer. We all have different talents. You know, when something's under the bed, you know, the little one is, 
is much more capable of crawling under the bed and getting it than anybody else. So that could be their job. You know, I mean, um, you know, everybody has kind of gifts and talents to add to this pool and have this conversation about what work needs to get done and then start talking about, so how could we all work as a team together? You know, what is each person willing to do? And in the beginning, you have to be a little careful that, you know, they get to pick something that they're really willing to do. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's really critical, and we talked about this before, is to do some training in that. So if their job is to empty the dishwasher, then, you know, they need to learn where does everything go, how do you stack it, how do you make sure that things don't get broken, and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then once they're trained, you know, they you need to really, the parent needs to just totally let go of that responsibility, um, and let them do it. And then the really, really critical piece, and this is really with everything that your children do, is this idea of encouragement. And we've been right. really good in our society lately saying, good job, good job, good job, good job. We like add the praise on, but that's not really so nurturing and they kind of become deaf to that. But if we say things like, you know, uh, when you emptied the dishwasher just in time for dinner, you know, we were able to put the dirty dishes in after dinner and that really contributed to the family. Or the way you stacked the dishes in the cabinet made it so there was lots of room for everything else. That was very efficient. I appreciate that. You know, it's very specific. It's, you know, a little bit more. It's a little meatier and more nourishing so that they know not only did I do it, but I did it well because I took this particular action or the effort I gave you know, was um, valuable to the family. And that encouragement mm. with those chores is what's going to make them want to continue to do it. If what we do, and this is very common, and I'm, I was guilty of this as well, you know, they say they're going to, you know, um, they're going to make the bed, and we come in and we go, oh, well, you know, it's kind of wrinkly. If you just pull it this way, and, like, immediately we're analyzing all the things that it's not, Rather than, oh, you put the pillows on, you know, at the head of the bed today and they're all fluffed up, regardless of all the rest of the wrinkles. <laughs> you can, you're right, telling them, you know, really what they're doing well, not uh, what's wrong with it. Right, because I, I, I always i am very guilty of, of, I don't always think that they think like us. I know that they're not adults, but I'm always surprised by how much, they will hold on to that negative piece, whether whether it was meant to be negative or if it was just something that said exactly what you said. Oh, the pillow, you know, it's a little wrinkled over here. I'm just going to straighten it up. Like I would think, oh, I'm helping you more, but they may take it as, well, forget that. My my efforts weren't weren't um, worth it, so to speak. Exactly, um, not appreciated. You yeah. know, boy, I did 80, 80% right, and all she did was pick at the 20% I didn't do. And it's just like the vocabulary test. Yeah. You get at 95, and the parents say, well, what happened to those last five words? You know, and, yeah. and we're, we're kind of programmed to do that in our society, and so it's a little bit, um, you know, kind of against our nature. It's not really common sense for us to, like, focus on really what they're doing well. But I will tell you, it will go much, much farther uh, for their cooperation, for their their strength, their self-esteem, their, you know, how, how much they feel like they're contributing and part of things. And, um, and that's what keeps the family connected, and that's what will help them be resilient 
later in life. Well, it's interesting, too. I love how you said to try to um, focus on each person's individual talents. I'm sure in the beginning, if I were to ask, what would you like to do? What do you think you're good at? Of course, they're going to try to get out of it and say nothing. But at the same time, I I like the fact of focusing on their talents because right away, like I have a daughter who just cooked. We had breakfast for dinner. And at 10, she just cooked the meal tonight because she loves to cook. My son likes Mm -hmm. to be outdoors. So as I'm sitting here, I'm walking through, oh, that, that could actually really work. I think you're right. When we look at their talents, then it's almost easier to start to praise specifics. And it is interesting that I'm realizing how much I also just say good job, good job um, versus exactly what you said. I like the way you put that on the shelf or or what have you, because you're right with the encouragement, they're going to want to do it even more. But my hope is that each of them can start to appreciate each other's strengths because I don't know how other people's houses are, but (laughs) I always want my children to be happy for each other. And I realize I'm not demonstrating or giving opportunities and demonstrating that to them myself when I see their individual talents. But you just gave me a reason and a way to sort of find out how to do that on a daily basis. Right. It's important also to do, to do a lot of that privately too, not in front of the other one, because that will, that will definitely encourage sibling rivalry. If you say, oh, the way you folded the tablecloth, really nice and really pretty, and I really appreciate that you did that, the other one will go, well, wait, I did something too. <laughs> you know, so you're kind of encouraging yeah. the sibling rivalry. But later on, if you say it privately, or even if you notice, oh, I noticed that you shared your snack with your friend when she forgot hers, that was really generous of you. You know, I mean, just point out the things that you notice that they do that are contributing to others what will happen is that they'll start to kind of stand up a little straighter and be like, yeah, I was really generous today, you know, and start thinking of themselves yeah. as being generous. And one of the things you pointed out before is that they, you know, they kind of go to the negative. And, if, you know, I used to do life coaching of like women in transition that are kind of like in midlife and not really sure, you know, their kids are going off to college and they're like, who am I now kind of thing. And the tapes in their heads, we're all about this, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, I'm, you know, all of that. And with our kids, those tapes are kind of being formed now. So you want the, the tapes that they're forming to be saying, I can do that, I am strong, I am able, I am generous, I accomplished this, or I was good at that, or I tried really hard here, or I improved on that. And that's really kind of your right. voice saying that and it will strengthen them for life. No, it's true. And you're right with the not overcorrecting. It's just not, I mean, they're going to know if they're, let's say they're making a bed and it's wrinkly five times. If the parents just leave them alone, eventually they're going to figure out how to make it more neat. But you're right, they're going to do it on their own in that sense. I just want to give it our call in line. I forgot to do that at the beginning of the hour. This is uh, Jen Lajotis. You're listening to Spiritual Happy Hour on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm having a really great conversation tonight with our special guest, Lisa DeShillo. She's a certified parent trainer, a certified life coach, and owner of Parenting Matters here in New Jersey. And tonight she's joining us to help us make sense of our own parenting choices. And um, in her business, she helps parents have less stress and more joy in parenting their children through everyday life. 
And if you want to call in, because we'll be taking questions towards the end of the show, the guest call-in number is 646-787-8171. Again, that's 646-787-8171. We'd love to take your questions tonight on the air. And Lisa, I just want to get back to a little bit about siblings. Because I do think that's mm-hmm. so important when there's, you know, more than one child and you really bring up a good a good point. I had no idea not to praise one in front of the other. And you would think that that would be common sense. I am a sibling. I have siblings myself. Is that something that people typically do as well? And we just don't realize that we're promoting sibling rivalry right there, praising one in front of the other. You know, what are you finding? Yeah. There's always going to be sibling rivalry. It's It's been here mm-hmm. from the beginning of time, you know, Cain and Abel. There's always going to be some level of sibling rivalry. However, there are a lot of things that parents can do to encourage more of a friendship and a good relationship rather than a competitive one. You know, mm-hmm. I used mm-hmm. to, mistakenly, <laughs> say, who's going to get to the car first? My two boys, of course, would run and basically kind of push each other back so they would be the winner. I was just egging them on. And then again, of course, every child wants to be in the sunshine spotlight of attention of their parents. It's just kind of part of the love they have and the love they need. And with two parents, if let's say you have three kids, I mean, there's going to be some shadows. You're going to be standing in the shadows sometimes. And, you know, they're always going to be kind of jockeying for position to see who can get the most sunshine or the, the spotlight on them. So it's up to us to kind of recognize what attention are we giving them when. And I do recommend, and through all our classes, we talk about, you know, spending special time with each one individually. The ideal is daily. You know, that doesn't necessarily fit into our life. But at least weekly, you know, a special time, 30 minutes, that you're just with that child with no agenda, not talking about did you do your homework or, you know, what's coming up this week or any of the work of life. Just be with them. Uh, and you, you're, it's, I'm amazed at how little that happens. Um, but yeah, doing yeah, that with them individually kind of, kind of fills yeah. up that encouragement cup. It encourages them. That also gives, kind of gives them the strength then to not be comparing to the other one all the time because they already know. Well, I already yeah. had my special time with mom or dad. Every family's got to engineer what what works for them. With very small children, we recommend like 15 minutes a day. You know, so at bedtime, maybe, you know, you have 15 minutes and, and, you know, kind of the rules of it is that the child gets to decide what you're going to do together. It's child-directed time. It's no interruptions. It's absolutely 100% focused on them, one child and one parent. No, ideally, when they're very young, you want to do it every day. The other thing is you schedule it on the calendar. So, at 8 o'clock, yeah. you know, and you hold yeah. it sacred. If they're misbehaving, you don't say, well, you just lost your special time. That's kind of like saying, well, when you, when you don't behave properly, I don't love you anymore, you know, which right. obviously right. you do not want to say that. So um, right. it's right. sacred time, and they get it regardless. And they come to, after a while, they come to really look forward to it. You know, they know it's coming. Um, and it's a, it's a way to kind of balance out and keep them encouraged, keep them engaged, keep the connection between you and the kids going. So when they're a little older, you might schedule it for half an hour for the week, but you might find maybe that's not enough. And there's, they're kind of signals that you're not spending enough time with them when they're starting yeah, yeah, to yeah, you know, out. jump around yeah. and look for attention. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny because we've gotten into a routine where it's usually nighttime. I'll spend time with each child, but now that summer's here, nighttime isn't always the best because usually one child ends up getting less time than the other, and there's a sibling rivalry right there because, you know, I'll start with one and I won't time it. And so I'll have more time with one than the other, or one will feel like one's left out, where you're absolutely right about getting it on the calendar because then it's seen, it's blocked out, and it does send that message of sacred time. And it's there. And I have to tell you, Lisa, that's always been something that I've wanted to do. And I've, I've never been able to make it happen. And I really need to start to because time goes quickly. And I'm sure also as children get older into adolescence and even high school, it's a great way to, to really spend time with them then because you can just connect, whether it's going to, you know, going out to eat or taking a walk or something, there's, there's more connection there. Uh, but I like right. that you said it can't have anything really to do with household chores. Going to Costco is not friendly time. It's what they want right. to do or a mutual chosen activity right. stays as a priority that doesn't get taken off the list. You can put some limits on it too. I mean, it still should be chosen by them. And you can say it's got to be something in the house or we're not going to spend right. money doing special time yeah. or like put some limits around it. But there are lots of choices in the house and there are lots of things to do that you don't spend money. So they still have freedom, and that's one of the premises of all the programs I teach is that they have freedom within limits, that the parents are setting the limits, setting the boundaries, but then the kids, can, they can choose within that. As they grow and they get more responsible, they get more freedom, and their boundaries get bigger. That's part of growing and learning and developing, and it's really your job as a parent to help them grow and learn and develop. Absolutely. How do you get them to listen? This is a from a, a friend of mine that's texting me again. She wants to know, how do you get them to listen on the first time that they're asked? But I think this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of starting to set those expectations and um, even with family meetings so that if you're making a shift on something that they're more aware of what uh, what's going to happen in the shifting family dynamics. So, yeah, you've, you've answered, you've definitely answered some of it. Um, I, you know, I have a, a free program that I offer to any parenting organization, and the name of the program is, Why Don't My Kids Listen to Me? And because it's one of the most frequently asked questions by parents. And really what it comes down to, what they're really asking is, why don't my kids do what I tell them to do when I want them to do it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's different. So it's more about why are they not cooperating And there's a whole slew of reasons, and I give you just a couple of examples. One is we as parents, we tend to ask them ten times. And by the tenth time, we yell. And by the time we yell, then they, you know, they kind of go, oh, now she really means business, and now I have to get up and do it. And we're saying, why do we have to say it ten times? And they're saying, well, because you're not going to get mad until the tenth time. Like, nothing's going to happen. So the solution to that is not yell the first time. You know, the solution to that is only say it one time and then get into action or even better yet. And this, this is, it's such a simple thing, but it can be really powerful is ask them. So if you're getting ready to go to school, you know, instead of saying, get your shoes on, get your backpack, eat your breakfast, let's go. You say, okay, what are the things you need to do to, before we get in the car? And they, it engages their brain. They need to do a little problem solving or at least think about, okay, what's the routine from here, even if it's not a spelled-out routine. And, 
And then they say, oh, I need to get my backpack, I need to eat my breakfast, and then and get my shoes on. And then, you know, after a couple of days, you don't have to say it anymore because they already know. So by saying it all the time, we're kind of communicating. I know this sounds a little harsh, but we're kind of communicating. You're not smart enough to know you need to get your shoes on. So I have to tell you ten times. And so that's why they're tuning us out because they're like, are you kidding me, Mom? I don't have to get my shoes on. So ask them, what is it you have to do? And they they know. They've done it a hundred times before. And the other thing is then you get into action. So you say, okay, I'm getting into the car. At 8.35, I'm going to be in the car. I'll meet you there, you know, after they've been trained on what they need to do. And then you go and get in the car and wait for them there. And they will get, they will get in the routine. They will know what they need to do. But right now the routine is reminding them ten times. So you need to change up the routine. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total complete sense. Uh, like I said, there's so many moms out there heading straight into summer, and I love all the the tips that you're giving us in terms of finding what your kids talents are in terms of getting them to do things, but also in this one, really sitting down with them and saying, okay, it's, you know, next week camp starts. What do you think you need? You know, and where do you want to gather your things? So you're going to remember them when you come in and out. That's another strategy for smoothing out those processes is to to have a specific routine that you've developed together. It's not just mom's routine. You know, let's, let's identify, let's brainstorm what are the things that you need to do have them put together a list or a sequence of things, not a checklist where they're, you know, they, you're checking off their performance of it every day, but just a list that shows them the sequence of everything and that, then let them own the list. Now. So you're not yeah. saying, okay, do this now, do this now, do this now. You're saying, oh, it looks like you're a little confused. What do you need to do? Oh, I need to check my list. And then they own it. We were talking about this a little bit earlier um, on our pre-call And we touched on it in the very beginning of our conversation. I was so used to being that authoritative parent in the beginning. Obviously, all of us are when the kids are babies. And, you know, they depend on us for everything. And we're used to just going in and making those decisions. And then around 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, they shift. And they're able to do so much more. And this is teaching them not only problem solving, but how to come together and be responsible, how to really think outside the box and all those things that we want them to do. And, you know, it's so easy to do. I want to give our number again, if you want to call in and ask a question for Lisa tonight. She is the owner of Parenting Matters in New Jersey. She's a certified parent trainer and certified life coach and owner of Parenting Matters in New Jersey. And our call-in line is uh, 646-787-787. 8171. And we're going to take a little bit of a musical break right now. I've got a couple calls I want to screen. And then we'll be right back with Lisa and we'll take some calls if that sounds okay with you, Lisa. Does that sound good? Um, That sounds great. Great. So we're going to go to a song by Mark Stanton Welsh called In the Beginning. And at the end, we'll come back on and Lisa will answer some questions from callers. Okay, here's Mark Stanton Welsh.
Spiritual Happy Hour on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Jen Lajotis, and I'm your host. Spiritual Happy Hour is a show that teaches listeners how to tune into their intuition and use it in everyday life. And tonight we're talking parenting with our special guest, Lisa DeShillo. She's a certified parent trainer and certified life coach and owner of Parenting Matters here in New Jersey. And she's joining us tonight to help us make sense of our parenting choices so we can really tune into our children and make better choices for them and with them so our family feels more unified and the energy in the house feels better. And I know, Lisa, you and I talked a lot about, in terms of intuition, how oftentimes we feel like our we should just intuitively know what we need for our children, but it doesn't always work that way. And I know you said to me a lot of parents will say, you know, I've been trying to tune in and it's not working, my take is we're not going at it the way that we should. And you've given us so many great tips as to how to actually get that first step into our children to get that connection. So then once we get things working, we can kind of tune back into to what we need to know or what we know of them for who they are. That's what I think. Right. I know you said you've heard that a lot from parents, like they're trying to just figure it out on our own. And sometimes we need really to understand the way to do it. Sometimes we just don't always connect. Right. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, I mean, you love your kids so much. You just think this love is going to just like carry you through knowing exactly what to do. And the, the whole quote, what to do thing, you know, comes from our role models of our parents. And they parented in a very different time than we're in. So a lot of their strategies and techniques don't work anymore. And that's not necessarily intuition. One of the things that song just reminded me of is when we actually can be with our children and behave with our children in a way that we have that connection, the huge gift that we kind of give ourselves is to be able to kind of witness them blossoming and growing and becoming, you know, who they're going to become. When we're in there trying to make them do this and make them do their homework and make sure they get the right summer job and make sure they're treating their friends the right way and make them do all this stuff, we're so much in our own way that we don't have the opportunity to see them really for who they are. Um, We're seeing them through our pictures or who we want them to be. 
and the greatest gift we, we can give to ourselves as well as to them is to kind of step aside and be able to see them for who they are and see their strengths to them. Um, almost see them unfiltered, right? Because it's true. Right. When I When I think about some of the parenting decisions that I make sometimes, and if I truly ask myself, you know, do I want my child, what, what's behind it? Sometimes it's more my agenda, my fears of what either other people will think or, you know, does mm-hmm. the house need to look completely clean instead of just saying, you know, the house right. is going to be how the house looks on a Tuesday, you know, and that's okay. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, You're but, not alone in that. I think you've given us so many great pieces to, to really reflect on this week. I have one email question, Pam in New Jersey, and she has uh, a daughter and a son. And mm-hmm. so she wants to know specifically for her daughter, how do you keep the line of communication open in terms of how do you encourage your kids to want to tell you what's really going on, to be transparent, you know, especially when they hit adolescence, sometimes they have a tendency to want to clam up. So do you have any advice, Lisa, for us to how do we keep those communication lines open? Yeah, well, one of the keys, and this is also the answer to the question of how to, you know, one of the answers to how do I get my kids to listen is that we as parents need to listen. And, I mean, really, truly listen at appropriate times in an appropriate way, in a focused way. Sometimes we need to kind of, like, coach them a little bit through what they're telling us, you know, not give them answers, but maybe ask them questions so that they can kind of solve their own problems. Especially once they get into adolescence, you really, you really become less of a manager of them and their activities and more of a consultant. They should be making more of their own decisions and hopefully coming to you for, for help and advice. So um, are you trying to, we're trying to then find out what they're saying and reflect it back to them, then I would assume, like almost like not name it to tame it, but kind of name it and try to see if, if that's what's, happening if that makes a connection for them and then being that sounding board. Right. And, and sometimes just having the, the um, thought of that you're curious about what they're thinking about this, like what's going on in that brain of theirs kind of helps you ask more, you know, questions that will get richer answers and, and be more connected. And then the other piece of it is, um, and in one of our classes, we do, we do like a whole exercise with communication blockers. And we're really, 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 like every parent who comes into class, they're really good at the communication blockers. Like we, we practice them and we end up laughing so hard because it's so simple to just come up with, you know, the, the little lecture or like blaming them for something or like being suspicious that, you know, they caused this problem or you know, and it immediately shuts down communication. And, um, yeah. and then, we, then we practice actually some, like, really good focused listening. Some of it is being silent and letting the other person talk. And some of it is, you know, just asking just the right question and being curious about it uh, and interested in it. And it opens up the communication and creates more connection. And it's really kind yeah. of an interesting experience for parents really taking that step back, you know, once we do that, we can relax and, as you said, really be better listeners to try to hear what's really going on and then feel what's going on. I love this, and I know you teach several classes. This is just one of them. So do you want to spend a little bit of time and tell our listeners? Because we've really just scratched the surface. I just want to tell our listeners and all the great things that Lisa does 
in her practice. You know, she's a, you know, she does coaching, she does workshops, classes, you name it, she does it. And I, I think you're just such a great resource. So do you want to just give folks an idea of some of the classes that you do and what you've got coming up and how folks sure. can, uh, can reach you? Because this has just been really great advice that you've been giving us the whole hour. Sure. Um, great. Thank you. So, yes, I work with really three groups of parents, parents of teenagers. So um, I have a class coming up that's starting next week. It's a four-session series, so it's two hours per session, so it's like four weeks in a row. Um, and that's called Thriving with Teens. It starts on June 29th. It's in the evening, and it'll be in, you know, in Summit. And then I have the following week, I have a similar kind of class, also four weeks, but it's for the parents of 5- to 12-year-olds. It's called Parenting Essentials, and that starts on July 5th. And I'm actually doing something interesting this summer. I'm, I'm holding a morning class starting July 5th for four weeks and an evening class, same class, and I'm giving people the opportunity to mix and match. If, if their scheduling allows them to go to one morning and three evenings, they can do that as long as they're just in order um, because it's four separate sessions. And then I have, those are really the core programs. I will be offering, the, the third set of parents is preschool parents. I will be offering a similar kind of series for parents of preschoolers coming this fall. Um, oh, and then fantastic. I do individual topical workshops. Uh, one of them is called Power Tools for Power Struggles. So if you feel like you're always playing tug of war or your child is always resisting you and it's escalating in, into a, a screaming fight all the time, um, those are power struggles, and you're in the middle. If you feel like you want to make them do something, you're in the middle of the power struggle. So we talk about how to sidestep that or not get in it, or if you're in it, how to get out of it. That is coming up in August, and you, you can see those dates on the website. And then Conquering Morning Mayhem, I will be running uh, the last two weeks of August. That is about the morning routine, you know, kind of getting ready for school to start again and how to create this routine and then, you know, hand it over to the child so that, and then how do you, you know, reinforce and encourage and be positive about that and, you know, let them uh, have the morning routine. Um, and then the Which other thing fantastic. I do, I, fantastic. yeah, yeah, yeah it's really, it's amazing when it starts working and your, your household is much more harmonious. You're like, wow, this is different. Yeah, like, I didn't uh, it's know really it nice. Way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is what yeah. I always dreamed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to say real quick is um, I do a free introduction um, of this Why Don't My Kids Listen to Me. I will do it for any parenting organization, so PTAs or church groups or neighborhood groups or any group of parents that wants to get together. I will come, be happy to come in and do this program. It is it's a big draw, you know, parents really want, and parents stay late and talk about it afterwards. They're really engaged. So it's a very, it's a very popular thing to do. So if anybody's interested in bringing that into their organization or their group of friends or anywhere, just contact me and I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. I, provided it's, it's geographically fairly local. Um, right. That's the only right. uh, qualifier. Yeah. And my website yeah. is parentingmattersnj.com. I have my whole schedule up there. I change my schedule every season. So the summer schedule's up there now. I'll have the fall schedule up by August 1st. And my contact information is on there, or you can email me through the website. Uh, even my phone number's on there as well. So, yeah, I'm, I am fantastic. really passionate about parenting. I, I know it's, it's the most satisfying work I've ever done. 
And I'll tell you, my kids would not be where they are today if I hadn't started taking these programs 15 years ago. So I, I really believe in it and I'm very passionate about it. Well, I think you're fantastic at it. I could imagine how the My Kids Won't Listen to Me is one of your most popular because I think that's where parents end up, you know, throwing their hands up and thinking, oh, my gosh, something's got to be better. And you are offering so many fantastic resources. I love the fact that your classes are broken down by age because there's different needs for each age. So, right. you know, preschool obviously is going to be different than the 5 to 12s and then the old uh, ones when they're really starting to, as you say, when the parents should be starting to really step back from that management role and really get them to be managing their own and, and serve as that consultant role. So I can imagine these are just fantastic seminars for people to take. And um, Lisa, it's been fantastic to have you on. I really thank you so much for coming on. And, thank you so much you know, for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I hope you'll come back again as well. And um Again, please, folks, do get in touch with Lisa because she just really offers so much, so much for families, for parents, for children. Um, as you said, it, it really takes a village, and you really, with this organization, I think, can really help a lot of people. And, and what's fantastic is you're helping. If you just help that one person in the family, you're really helping the whole unit. So um, okay. that's just fantastic work. So thank you again. Spiritual Happy Hour is back on now. We'll be back on every other Thursday night, and check us out on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at Spiritual Happy H. Facebook is Spiritual Happy Hour. You can check out uh, Janelle's website at JanelleHoyland.com and my website, JenniferLajotis.com. And I want to say good night, everybody, and thank you. I'm going to have Mark Stanton Welsh again take us out uh, with a song called My Heart's Desire, and uh, we'll see you next time. Stay true to my dream, I must stay open An unobstructed channel of divine Persevere, adjust, trust the process And this or something better shall Here is my heart's desire Singing out through me Universe direct me To be all I'm meant to be To stay true to my dream I must stay open An unobstructed chance
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.